welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome to another episode of Barnyard Language. Thank you for joining us today. And if it's your first time, welcome to the podcast. We usually start by asking each other what's going on. So Katie, what is going on in your farm, on your farm in Iowa? What's the news? Well, we're having some internet technical difficulties. We have Starlink internet, which we've been very happy with, but in a horrific windstorm last week, our dish, which the company has named Dishy, fell over and basically got decapitated. So we've sort oh, of no. got him rigged up right now, but they're uh, sending us a new one. So we're back to dial up through the phone company, which is at least somewhat reliable as long as it doesn't rain or get too windy. Yeah, as, as long as nothing happens, it's great. Other than that, we had a new calf. Planting is done, but we have some pasture reseeding to do this weekend. Hay is ready to cut. That's about it. We're in so that. you've talked before, Katie, about your, what's it called? Regenerative prairie? Is yeah. that what you're, yeah. is or the, your prairie We're in ground. A conservation what is the actual reserve prairie? conservation prairie right it right so what is actually required in terms of maintaining that or or what is kind of what is what is allowed and what is anyway so, tell me about it because i don't know what you mean for i've folks, heard you say it a bunch of yeah, times and sorry. i realized that i don't know what you're talking about for folks not familiar with the program basically it's a federal government program to pay farmers to take non-suitable land out of crop production so we get paid not okay. to farm it it's so ours is in uh prairie flower reserve so we basically have replanted prairie grasses and prairie flowers uh it's a pollinator habitat specifically so we have a lot of bees a lot of little birds turtles coyotes all sorts of critters living out there that wouldn't be here if it was just in corn beans we're allowed to have people hunt it we're occasionally allowed to bale it or graze it if there's droughts, things of that nature. We are required every uh, five years, I want to say it is, to either burn it or disc it just to help maintain a healthier stand. And it's a 10-year program. Is that so to keep like invasive species from yeah. taking over or yep. what's the... Yep. Okay. That's my understanding, at least. It's entirely possible that that's wrong. Sure, yeah. Um, well, I mean, and I, th I know around here, if you leave land for too long, then trees start to grow up yeah. and then that's a different type of habitat, right? It's, yeah. it's yeah. not going to be prairie grass anymore. Yep. We really like it though. It's, you know, it's real pretty and it's, it's a nice way to still make some income off land that should not be farmed. So it's a good way to encourage folks to do what's better for the whole world. I know there's folks who will go on about it being charity, but you know, or you're helping call it stewardship. You could call it stewardship. You could call it government money actually going to something useful, which is rarer than it ought to be. Let's put it yeah. that way. 
Oh, so what's going on on your end of the world, Arlene? I saw your neighbor's house is for sale. If anyone wants to go live next to Arlene, I can. Uh, yeah, yeah, that one's just down the, down the street. Yeah, we're in a stone house, and the other stone house on our country dead end road is also for sale. So, yeah, there's some real estate coming up on on the dead end. Planting is done, which I think I maybe said last week. Hay is ongoing. We got some custom spraying done this week in between some rain. And the kid front this past weekend, my oldest, my daughter's dance recital happened, which was pretty nice because we haven't had any performances or been in a theater or anything like that in a long time. So that was pretty cool. And I don't know about you, Katie, but when it comes to like kids dancing or kids singing, I am a crier. Are you a crier? Oh, I totally did not start crying at the girl child's preschool graduation before it started and <laughs> before cried anything happened. Yeah, yeah. It was- yeah. So the dance recital, I would, you know, like there might be an act where I would like get it back together. And then, you know, like the little class of like teeny tiny ballerinas would come out oh, it makes or me like cry. Just- the big kids who, you know, are in their last year and are doing all these amazing things and yeah, music, sentimental music. And there was some modern dance acts that you know were like obviously like commentary on current events and coming through the pandemic and stuff and yeah so there was a a lot of crying but it was it was beautiful nonetheless and it always amazes me how much work goes into producing those types of shows so they did they did two shows because the theater was too small for all the the grown-ups who wanted to come and siblings and all that kind of stuff so i got to sit in on one and then i volunteered at the other one and just you know keeping all those little bodies busy and kind of quiet and getting them to the stage at the right times and all that kind of stuff is is a feat in itself so that was that was pretty fun and then in other parenting news i got a a last minute call i guess oh i guess it was two days before the trip to see if i wanted to help volunteer on a grade eight, seven trip to Toronto. So I did that as well. So it was uh, some long drives on a school bus, which wasn't all that bad. You know, by the time they get to seven, eight, a lot of them have devices or especially on a long trip like that, like it was a four-ish hour drive. So eight hours driving altogether. And we left early in the morning. So they were fairly subdued both on the way there and the way home because it, it was a long day. So we did the aquarium and then we hung out in downtown Toronto for a while with all our little grade seven, eight country mice kids who are not used to crowds and tall buildings and all that kind of stuff. And then went to a baseball game. So I don't know how many of the kids actually even knew what the score was or who won because they spent so much time getting up and down, just going and buying more food and junk and all that kind of stuff. But it was pretty cool anyway. I actually enjoyed watching the ball game and I haven't watched any sports ball in in a while. So not a big sports ball fan there, Arlene. I, I mean, I don't mind it, but it's not the kind of thing that I would choose to watch in my my free time, I guess. I think probably the last time I watched baseball was when Toronto won and like we got, I don't even know what, won the baseball, whatever it's called. I was saying, I think the last game I watched was when the Red Sox won the World Series because I was working on a farm in Massachusetts and I want to say that was 2004. Yeah, see, I'm thinking so, it was like the 90s when was yeah, the last time children I actually have paid attention to baseball. Literally born and graduated. My cousin's son was born on my birthday in 2004 and just graduated high school. So I have spent literally Sam's entire lifetime not watching baseball. So that's <laughs> yeah. how long it's been. 
but I did feel somewhat knowledgeable because I was explaining a few things to the, the I was sitting beside one of the teachers and she didn't know anything about baseball. So I did have a, a few tidbits of information. There were a lot of stats up on the board that I had no idea about, but I did know how many balls and strikes and how many people you need to get out before you could, you know, move on to the next inning. So that, that felt like, like a win. I was feeling very, very smart. Yeah, that's what I like about watching NASCAR is, I mean, there's a few rules, but mostly it's if you're at the front when it ends, you win. Like that, that's, that's pretty, the winning part. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. just you know, there's keep going. Yeah. Points and things, but generally, if you're in the front, you won. You know? <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. that. It's pretty that's straightforward. That's a good sign. Yeah. Oh, I had another update from our aquarium trip last week. I forgot to tell you. So. Oh, yes. You also went the, to the aquarium. We did, and the kids had so much fun. We went to the National Mississippi River Museum and Aquarium in Dubuque, Iowa. It's a beautiful that just rolls museum. off the tongue, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. Uh, it's a beautiful place. Nice folks. It was a lot more expensive than last time we went. We were trying to figure out why, and then we realized that our kids are old enough that we have to pay for them now. They don't both get of them. The, both of them. Yeah. I was like, I don't even know what kind of bullshit this is. And then I was like, oh wait, because it's a nonprofit, and they like. Yeah, you know, and if they're not they... under two, you actually have to pay for them. Now. Yeah, and if you want to have nice things like aquariums and museums, you have to pay for them. So, That's true; they do cost money. Yeah, once we figured out why it was more expensive, it was totally fine. But it was kind of a shocker to the system. Anyway, so we got there, and I had told the girl child that there were stingrays in in a touch tank, and they watch a lot of octonauts, so they're pretty down with the aquatic animals and. We're walking across the parking lot to go in. She goes, mommy, hurry, hurry. I don't want to be late for my first day of stingray. Baby. <laughs> and did she touch them? She, well, yeah, I think she did touch one. She was very excited about it. Mm -hmm. So the boy child, not there yet, but yeah, he was interested to watch. So. Yes. Yeah. It's funny. The kids who are like, are all in and mud and dirt and all that kind of stuff, but then, you know, get a bit hesitant when it's something that's out of their out of their normal range yeah. of things they understand. Yep. Yeah. The one thing I noticed with this group of kids, so they're like 13, 14 year olds, right? And still I mean, you think of little kids not really necessarily being aware of their surroundings or being, you know, spatially aware. But <laughs> these young teens are still not in that place you know like they they walk in little packs kind of like the schools of fish like at the aquarium but they're so focused on each other and what all their friends are doing that especially in a city like we were and we had a big group of kids i think there were like 75 of them um they were constantly like just like stopping in people's way or standing in the middle of a doorway and it's like okay everybody let's look around and see if maybe someone might be trying to walk through this door or maybe there are other people who would like to see the display but they're just like oh bumbling <laughs> just not quite there in terms of what's going on around me well and i think that's I the problem with living in the country even as an adult is that that's one of those skills that practice yeah, makes perfect and that's true yeah. if you don't live in a place where that's ever a problem you don't get any practice because I know I still do the same thing and I lived in cities for how long but you know you mm -hmm. get out of the habit and then you're like I'm gonna gawk and stand here in the middle of the sidewalk and look at stuff and you know people are walking <laughs> yeah. into you and like swearing at you and yeah you know like you, you can't check blame your, them you're check not your blind spot right. if you're going to stop in the yeah. middle of the sidewalk yeah yeah <laughs> they should have like a tourist lane in major cities where tourists can just yeah. walk down a designated part of the sidewalk and yeah not bike lane over there. here tourists over here exactly. <laughs> everybody else exactly. can go at normal speed 
Well, I think we will move on into our interviewee for the week. All right. Today, we are lucky enough to be talking to Katie Haynes, who is, who is the 2022 Miss North Carolina Miss Agriculture Advocacy Ambassador, which is quite a title, and is also North Carolina's People's Choice Miss United States Agriculture. So Katie, we start each of our interviews with the same question. This is a way to introduce yourself to our listeners. And we ask, what are you growing? So this can cover crops, livestock, families, businesses, and social media platforms, all that kind of stuff. So you can tell us, Katie, what are you growing? I have uh, rabbits. I show and breed rabbits. And then I also, we have a garden. And then I grew up in and what? other organizations to help promote agriculture. And I'm doing a lot on social media. For sure. So what kind of rabbits are we talking about? I have Havana, Holland Lops, and Mini Rex. And are these for pets or meat or 4-H projects or? So I aged out of 4-H. So I am, an, I serve on the Honor Club board, but I raise these rabbits to show and then we raise them to breed to, for people for pets. Nice. How many are we talking? And now I know rabbit numbers are tricky because they're probably always going up, but I have around... like rabbits. Is that the issue, <laughs> yeah, Arlene? Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I have around 30. Okay. And Katie, do you do any uh, rabbit agility with your rabbits? Like Arlene's I do family not. Does? I've done it once, but I have okay. been all the way to in Indianapolis and competed when I was a youth in the skillathon. So that was judging all kinds of stuff. We did crafts, photography. We're, we've been joking about setting up some sort of like barnyard language Zoom Farm Olympics that would just involve like all sorts of contests. So I'm always looking out for what our next uh, event is going to be. So, oh, so far, cool. Arlene's winning the rabbit agility since she's <laughs> the only person we've found who's doing rabbit agility. And our rabbit is not very agile, but she's cute. <laughs> That's the difficult thing when I tried it the first time. It was interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they, our 4-H club kids had had lots of different ways to try and uh, incentivize their rabbits to actually go over some of the jumps. All right. So, Katie, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the Miss United States Agriculture Competition and how you became involved? And how, for our listeners who obviously cannot see this, Katie's got her sash on. And with a title that long, is your sash real long or does it like wrap around the back, the words do? Or oh, is you got like two top? of them? It's at the top um, for the advocacy ambassador and at the bottom, I have another sash for the people's shorts. All right. I thought maybe you'd have to like wear them crossed or something. <laughs> no, no, no. Right. I just switch them out. At different <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> well, that's handy though. I mean, if you like drop mustard on one at a fair event or something, you can just swap out for the other yes, one. Yes, like and I've done that before. <laughs> there you go. Or maybe you could sew them back to back and just make it reversible. <laughs> that would yeah. be cool. There you go. All right. So anyway, if you could tell us a little about the competition and your, how you got involved in that. So the Miss United States Agriculture Program is to help women um, advocate for agriculture and community service. We attend events, do farm visits, public speaking, and multiple other things. In the competition, we have most states participate in the county, then they do the state level, and then you go to nationals. Some states are at-large states. And so after uh, you get that title, you will go to nationals directly. So I was a county queen. I started off in Greenville County. And then I went to the state level and I got the advocacy title. 
and the um, People's Choice, so two different titles. And the People's Choice is voted on by monetary donations, and it's got a personalized link that folks can go and support their favorite candidate in the um, competition. And then the advocacy is whoever does the most interviews, events, community service, farm visits, the whole nine yards. So who's really involved in advocating for agriculture within the Mission United States Agriculture Program. And then there's in the competition, it involves state fashion fun, interview, photogenic, onstage question. So Katie, you will be attending the national competition before too long. Where is it? And what are you doing to prepare in these final weeks as you get ready for that? It's in Orlando, Florida, June 24th and 25th. And I have some fundraising left to do. I have to pack up my contestants wide beds and I've got just about everything else ready to go. I have uh, two baskets I'll be making to promote North Carolina agricultural products um, and local country music singers in our state. That was really fun to put together. And then there's contestant bags for everyone in my age division. I, I did a I took the extra step and made sure everybody had walked away with something. And then we had to make bags for the incoming and outgoing queen. And then I went ahead and did the advocacy and the people's choice to make them feel like they walked away with something as well. That's awesome. So how many people are going to be there at nationals? Do you have a, an idea of numbers? I believe we have 90 contestants and we have, I think, 19 in my age division. And how old are you? I never even asked that question. <laughs> I'm 22. And this is my okay. first time. So this is my first and time. And how many different I age? Oh, sorry. I was just asking how many different age categories there are overall. There is Tiny Miss. Little Miss, Future Little, and then a Teen Elite, no, Teen Miss Elite, and that's a so five, I think. But I was saying that I'm the first person in a wheelchair to compete in this pageant, so I'm super excited to be paving history for the disabled community and showing people that there isn't anything that you can't do and everyone has a place in agriculture. So did you grow up on a farm, Katie, and what uh, programs have you been involved in? I know you mentioned 4-H. Did not grow up on a farm. I, I live in a neighborhood, so uh, we couldn't have chickens or any of that kind of thing, but I could have rabbits. But my grandparents did grow up on a farm, and they have a beef cattle operation in Elk in North Carolina. So you talked about being the first person to compete in this pageant in a wheelchair. Yes. Have, do you know, have they had to make any changes to, you know, accessibility or anything like that because of your attendance? Do you feel like that's also, you know, breaking some barriers for people who maybe felt like they couldn't compete in the past? They have had to um, make sure that they've had ramps and like ADA accessible room added onto the block. But I think moving forward, that should open their eyes to more maybe adding a age uh, category for those that are more severely affected by uh, disabilities 
and having it a category just for like the special needs community so that it opens up doors for them to compete as well in something that may not be like the wheelchair pageant, but it would be something that they can participate just like everyone else can and really mainstream the program. And then folks like me, and then folks like me, uh, just being able to participate with everyone um, on an even playing field is something that's very important. It's very difficult, but nothing is impossible. And I just, I hope that it opens doors for so many people in the future. Well, it it seems like too, we're seeing more and more folks um, with different disabilities getting involved in agriculture. And so having that face as an advocate and as a, you know, being able to participate in that public space seems even more important because it's, it's amazing what adaptations and things they've come up with to help people farm. You know, we interviewed someone last two months whose husband is quadriplegic and still, you know, actively farming. And that's amazing, you know, and what it's done for their family to give him that sense of self and his, his pride in his work back to be able to participate and to, you know, to really be actively engaged in the work that he loves. And And there's organizations out there like Agribility, that's a nationwide project to help people get back to farming. And I've been working a lot with the program here in North Carolina to help promote that so that folks are more aware. Yep, we've actually got them on our list of folks to interview as well, because I think, (laughs) you know, the work they're doing is just so cool. Yes, it is. You know, it's, it's great to see people, I think, there are so many jobs that are just jobs, but farming is really a calling for most folks. And, you know, being able to get back and participate in that or, you know, for folks who aren't from a farming background, being able to start participating in that is so wonderful. And I forgot to mention that I did, I was in uh, FFA as well. Okay. So Katie, are you willing to talk to our listeners a bit about why you are in a wheelchair and and what some of your limitations are? So I have over 21 chronic illnesses and special needs. Most of them rare or rarely diagnosed. I am on the autism spectrum. I have Asperger's, but my story is very complex. But in 2020, I had wisdom teeth surgery and I was before, well, back up a little bit. And before that, I was using a wheelchair part-time. So when I went to Disney World and stuff like that. But in 2020, after the wisdom tooth surgery, we think I could have had COVID and I, possibly a TIA from COVID. But during that time, we couldn't have the proper testing because everything was locked down, So, including medical care. So I had left-sided weakness and we tried therapy and all that kind of stuff later on uh, when things started opening back up and they, none of that helped. Well, my left side started getting better, but I've still had the leg weakness, all that and my legs, which my legs shake. So I got a custom wheelchair and yeah. So it's a little bit of mixture of all my chronic illnesses put together, but the Wisdom teeth surgery actually um, made things worse. 
So that leads into my next question. You're an ambassador for agriculture, but you also started a project called Smiling While Sending Hope. Can you tell us a bit about this project and your the inspiration behind the work that you're doing with that? So Smiling While Sending Hope was started uh, nine years ago as a project to help people with chronic illnesses and special needs ages zero to 26. And we do toy drives, care packages. I go in public speak at universities and different things and just advocate for the disabled community as a whole. And then we just became a nonprofit in October of 2021. And now we're on the way to getting the 501c3 status. That should be any day now. So I'm super excited to be reaching people. We've already sent packages across the world, but I would like to see my program grow and just be an advocate for the disabled community and show them that they're really isn't anything that should hold you back in life. So what's your advice for other young folks with chronic illness as to how they can advocate for themselves? I mean, I deal with chronic illness myself, but I'm also older, you know, and so I know that younger folks are in a very different place because I think there's a lot of feeling that you're too young to be sick. And especially if it's not something folks have heard of that they're like, well, I've never heard of it. Can't be real. Like, well, but all right, you're not a specialist but you know right and especially having those rare or being a woman and having rare illnesses they look at you differently and so my advice to parents or people that have chronic illnesses is to not let something define who you are you need to keep going and keep pushing so many times I meet with families and they think just because they have a chronic illness or a special need that they are defined by that illness and they can't do anything so they just sit at home and do nothing you wouldn't believe how many times that has been the case but just getting out there and being an advocate and pushing yourself to the highest limit no matter how much somebody might not believe in you is very important. Like I went through the school system not believing in me and I had to be homeschooled, but they thought I'd never get into a university, much less get an associate's degree. I graduated last year from Southern New Hampshire University with an associate's degree in photography. And so just proving people wrong that people with disabilities can do things is something that's very important. So how do you balance pushing yourself to participate and to be actively engaged with also not pushing your physical limitations beyond what is healthy. If you have um, any advice for, you know, the rest. Um, of so I'm a little hard headed when it comes to that. <laughs> I will be in the ER one day and go do something the next day. So I'm not really the best person to answer that kind of question. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll find somebody else if we can find somebody who's maybe, maybe not an ag person, Arlene. Maybe we need to look in a different area because <laughs> ag people don't tend to be real. You know, I'm taking it easy because it's healthier. Like we're not, we're not those kind of people. Right. Um, <laughs> so too, since we are a parenting podcast and at least a lot of our listeners have family, you know, children of their own, Obviously, you do have a family of your own, even if they're, you know, your own parents. What can you tell us about how your parents have supported you and how we as parents can support our kids with their own health challenges or whatever other obstacles come up? So my parents have, without them and putting me in programs like 4-H and FFA, 
I wouldn't be in the same situation today. I wouldn't be uh, speaking to you all or speaking to anybody for that matter. I used to be really, really shy. And I think having, especially having Asperger's with social skills with that sometimes are not like your neurotypical type person. So um, getting out and really pushing your child to be the best person that they can be and not sticking them important, getting them out there and uh, being involved with something that they're passionate about. For me, it was agriculture and helping people and being a blessing to the community is very, very important to society and their general health in general. Can I ask how old you were when your Asperger's was diagnosed? I know for a lot of folks my age, there was no diagnosis for anything like that, unless you were like, like I joke about the, you know, when I was a kid, ADHD was like the boy who was like setting the classroom on fire, literally. And like, then they just kind of drugged him up and, you know, as long as he wasn't like really causing problems, they just kind of left it. And so now there's all these women my age who are realizing that there are some real good reasons that we've always just thought we were doing it wrong. And that that reason is simply that our brain works differently. And so it's, it's exciting for me as a parent to see better understanding, at least, I mean, it's still not great, but it seems like we're at least making progress in. So me growing up, I had a lot of different learning disabilities and stuff, but in women, it's harder to diagnose autism and it's not as common as men. So I didn't get diagnosed until I was 14 years old. And then my chronic illnesses, most of them started when I was 16 to 18. That's got to be incredibly difficult because being 14 and female is hard enough. I mean, yes. just that, that by itself is a challenge. Oh. But I just, I went to conferences. I met Temple Grandin. I don't know if y'all know who she is, yeah. but she's very involved in the agricultural community um, and designs cattle shoots and stuff like that. But I've met her twice and she told me to continue doing these programs and, and stepping out of my comfort zone because it's something you won't moving forward you'll need for things like jobs and stuff like that and she wasn't wrong so she's a very inspirational person yeah she's uh an incredible advocate both for agriculture and for uh neurodivergence and you know just letting your kids be who they are and things uh like i was talking about earlier with my chronic illnesses i have something called dysautonomia it affects your whole body so my GI tract was delayed. I have heart issues, and but none of my is, my chronic illnesses are life-threatening, but they're life-altering, and that can cause, you know, all different things. But yeah, it's I, basically my autonomic nervous system is not firing correctly. I started having problems with dysautonomia after I had our second kid, and I basically described it as that my body just cannot even, that it's just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, so I'm just going to half-ass it and hope that's <laughs> enough, <laughs> you know? So yeah, like, I've had issues with heart palpitations and um, tachycardia, you know, where my pulse just goes through the roof and all sorts of random stuff, and it's just trying to explain it to people that it's thing and people are like well why don't you just go to the doctor and I'm like try that 
didn't fix it. Like, no, no it never occurred to me. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think of that. You know. Yeah, it's lifelong. Like, for most folks, um, some people, it, there has been cases where it resolves in your early twenties. But I mean, I'm 22, and I have a pretty severe case of it, so I don't see it going away. But I mean, it doesn't stop me from going out and advocating and being the best person that I can be. That's right. I've been following you on social media for a while and it doesn't seem like, I don't even know how you'd have time to sleep with <laughs> all the different events and, you know, pe visiting people in the hospital and all the types of, of work that you're doing. You talked a little bit earlier about some fundraising to help you get to, to nationals. Is there something that people can do to support those fundraising efforts? So I have a list of sponsorship options. I need gas cards and money for the hotel room. And then I also have a people's choice link and you go to that link and the money will go directly to the patent system, but it'll also help me as I compete towards that title. But the other monetary donations, you can just send me a DM to my um, Facebook page and I can get you some more information on how to participate in that. And Earth. your nonprofit also can accept donations as well. Yes, I have an Amazon wish list for that. And I also have a Facebook page or Instagram that y'all can reach out on there. And I can send you that information. Or if you'd like to get involved in some other way, I can send you that as well. For sure. Yeah, we can share that with people. All right. So, so have... I was no, one last or... question, Katie, do before it. we go into that one. <laughs> no, um, I never had questions off script. How many we... crowns do you have at this point? And do you have, have a favorite? I have three, if you count the county one and then two current ones. And I think the advocacy one means more to me because I'm actually getting out there. I'm making the connections. I'm talking to these local companies. Also, Mount Olive Pickles. Um, I love pickles. So Mount Olive Look Pickles. Look at her with the sponsorship right there. She sounds like <laughs> a NASCAR driver. But, you know, I'm thankful for all of my sponsors and people that I've networked with. But, you know, when you, when you like a product, you're kind of uh, partial to it. And I've always loved Mount Olive Pickles. And they're such great people to work with. I went to their Ag Festival at the University of Mount Olive. I went to their Pickle Drop and their Pickle Festival. In the Pickle Festival, I ate six and a half pickles in five minutes. Did, and did, so, I'm, I'm just going to stop you. Did you say Pickle Drop? <laughs> yes, Pickle Drop. Like, so instead of like... Enlighten us, um, please. So like the acorn or like what, what drops in New York City? The ball. Instead of that, they drop a pickle and they drop it at 7 p.m. instead of 12 p.m. so that kids can come out. <laughs> that is and, delightful. And you eat a pickle while you're watching the pickle drop. Okay. Yeah. Of course This is basically the best thing I've heard in a long, long time. Sure. So, you know, it's the best there of both worlds. Yeah, that's right. Now that brings up another question, and maybe maybe the pickle drop is the answer. But what is the wildest or wackiest event that you have gone to as as an, an egg ambassador so far? Well, that's a that's a hard question because because every town's got their own wild and wacky uh, events, right. right? So at the pickle festival, I wore pickle leggings, and then at the strawberry <laughs> festival, I wore strawberry leggings. Mm -hmm. Do you have a preferred um, source for these specialty leggings? 
I don't. One of them was USA Leggings for the strawberry. And then the pickle one's the pickle. Somebody sent me off of Facebook. They just said, why don't you wear those to festival? You're going to so many pickle events. So um, it's not all ball gowns then. Right, right. Exactly. Um, and actually, my my formal dress is a camouflage dress. I was really so, hoping you were going to say it had pickles on it, but okay. Well, you might have to stick around for the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But there will be something at Nationals representing that all pickle company. Is that going nice. to be, is there like a talent portion of this? That... No, there is not. Oh, all right. Well, no Thank goodness. Because I can't sing i can't dance i can't do any of that <laughs> i can take pickle photos you. but my favorite event would probably have to be between the pickle festival and the got to bnc festival i just participated in that this past weekend all three days and the carolina pidgey i was a judge of barbecue i did all kinds of stuff i was in a tractor parade with the commissioner our commissioner in our state and I was just out there all three days doing all kinds of stuff and advocating for agriculture with Got to BNC, which is our agricultural marketing program. And those folks are amazing. And I'm very thankful for them as well, because without them, I wouldn't have gotten to go to as many events and things like that, because, you know, they're, they're big in promoting our agricultural industry here in North Carolina. And they're great folks. So when you're stuck in line at like Walmart or whatever, do you ever just pull out the sash and the tiara and see if you can get through lines faster? Be like, do you well, know who you I know, am? So people actually recognize me in like from different things that I've been involved in. And I'll be somewhere like, for instance, I was at the Got to BNC Festival in the tractor parade. And this guy yells out, you're that girl from TikTok. I follow you on TikTok. And I'm like, well, that's wild. And everybody starts busting out laughing. And I'm like, I don't even have that many followers. <laughs> and that that was just, and I'll be in stores and people recognize, you're that girl from Yellowsville. And I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm from. <laughs> well, so as long as saying, they're saying nice stuff about you. Yes. You know. And just seeing that um, I'm really reaching that many people is I may not have that many followers, but I am reaching people and impacting people's lives. Um, that is important. And no matter how many people you think you reach, you may reach more than the how many followers it says. They just may not like hit that button. <laughs> so, yeah. Have you thought about a custom wrap for your chair? for your sponsors like like i'm just picturing like i do listen to a lot of nascar and i'm just picturing you could get your chair done you know like a car and i have thought about that the back maybe i have thought about that but I, I don't know how to go about like doing something like that you know what i mean i have a guy um, out of raleigh that does all of my sign and graphic type stuff i might could talk to him and see if he would be willing to do something like that Maybe a fire suit of bees. If you get you get too far into that barbecue situation, you'll be safe too. So speaking of NASCAR, I'm going. I'm attending the NASCAR uh, race this weekend, and uh, Smiling Moss Sydney Hope's logo is going to be on an Xfinity car at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and then I will be out there at the big race on Sunday. See, now this is the thing because I'm like a liberal Midwestern mom whatever people assume that there's absolutely no way I follow NASCAR but you were like you're living the redneck dream 
seriously <laughs> getting the logo on a car down at Charlotte. Yes, I am and, so excited. I mean, yes, it's the lower end of the racing series, but I mean, it's the second in line to the cup too. So it's like, it's a big deal in my opinion. Well, is it the lower end of the series or is it your rookie season and next year you're going to be back? Give it up. <laughs> You know. I mean, you know, it could be even one. There you, you go. Because they're, I mean, they're not the best, but they're not the worst, you know. And, you, you know, you got to start somewhere in NASCAR. And they've been a huge supporter. And then the next day I was invited by the Caparis County CBB to come out as an agriculture queen. So I'm getting to go two days in a row to a NASCAR race. And the first day where my logo is going to be on the car, I get to be in the like pit. So I'm excited about that. Like VIP yeah. treatment. You don't know who's going to walk by. So I'm hoping somebody like Jeff Gordon or Dale Earnhardt Jr. walk by, you know, Chase Elliott. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> is your, uh, your chair, is it power or manual? It is a manual chair, but I have a power assist. So do you think you could race them? Like, I don't know. You know, some of those, Joey Logano seems like he might be down for trying it. He's, yeah, he seems pretty wild. So, you know, get some real, uh, real publicity down there. You'd be there. If I get lucky. (laughs) There you go. Maybe they'll take you for a ride anyway. Yes, that would be amazing. That's the place where you should be talking to them about getting a wrap for your chair, though, because I mean, like, these are the guys who custom will know know the contacts to get the yeah they do all the logos and stuff on there. So these this is the the place to make your contacts for the the fanciest fanciest ride you can get. <laughs> Plus, they seem like guys who'd like pickles. I don't know what it is about NASCAR, <laughs> but they seem like pickle people. I can bring them some pickle coupons. They're- NASCAR started in North Carolina. Well, and even if they're making that kind of money, who doesn't want to save some cash? You know, grocery prices are way up. So exactly, yeah. Maybe and some of these lower end companies don't make as much as the cup people either. Yeah, Um, people don't realize that, but they really don't make that. I mean, they make enough to make ends meet, but that's about it. But now, when you get up in the cup series, that's a little different. I mean, even the Xfinity guys, uh, they're still what in the top like 100 best drivers in the country. So they are, you know, yes. Even that lower yeah. end is still pretty dang good. Sorry, yeah. Arlene. I guess Arlene does not follow NASCAR by the look <laughs> I don't, but, I, but I'm happy that you guys are happy to talk about this it. Is I don't just mind. turning into the, the NASCAR appreciation NASCAR report. farming hour. <laughs> so, so, does that mean NASCAR is going to sponsor y'all? <laughs> God, wouldn't that be a trip? That Maybe. would be cool. <laughs> my husband was a big bill elliott fan so now we got to mm-hmm. listen to chase elliott and i've actually know, I, gotten to meet them bill and chase i've heard that bill's a super nice guy which makes they me are think that chase probably yes. is too yeah and i've also met austin dylan and ty dylan and then his dad so you really do need to start working a sponsorship sponsorship situation <laughs> i mean nascar is looking to broaden their you know, their fan base. So I feel like you could really reach out here. I need to talk to somebody high up in NASCAR, don't I? <laughs> there you go. Well, we'll put the word out there if anybody knows anybody <laughs> knows anybody in NASCAR. So Arlene, I'd love to work for them as a photographer. There you mm-hmm. go. That's one of my dream jobs. That'd be cool. 
Yeah. So well, there's another question I hadn't, I hadn't thought to put on the list. What, what's in the future for you when you, after, you know, you're, you've got nationals on the mind right now, but what future goals do you have going forward in terms of both your advocacy work and, and work work that, you know, might pay some bills, that kind of stuff. Hopefully learning how to drive and getting an accessible vehicle, but y'all it's expensive and very um, time consuming the whole process and then I hopefully going to get a job with I'm going to work with a vocational rehab here in the next year when I turn 23 and get a job and then I hope to grow my nonprofit internationally and get more donations and funding and then hope to uh, show more rabbit show rabbit at more shows throughout the United States those are some awesome goals so we ask all of our guests, if you were going to dominate a category at a county fair, what would it be? And categories can be real or made up to ensure that you win. Rabbits. I would love for them to bring back the rabbits to our state fair. They took that away in 2018 and tore down the rabbit barn and they have no plans in sight to bring that program back. But I would love for them to bring that back and bring more agricultural stuff back to our state fair because we are an agricultural state. And they seem to take that away slowly um, and seem to want to only bring in things like rides or things that generate money. So I don't really agree with that. And I think that they should bring more, not only rabbits, but more agricultural back in, agricultural related things back into our state fair. Maybe you should find out if any of those NASCAR guys could get your rabbits wrapped. Some, <laughs> some little tiaras for your rabbits, maybe. You know. <laughs> There you go. Katie, this Katie, good this podcast Katie is. Uh, this is hilarious. People have right, told me I'm, I'm entertaining. Arlene, that is my gift. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot of really bad ideas. I'm going to move us into our cussing and discussing segment. We've registered for an online platform called SpeakPipe, where you can leave your cussing and discussing entries for us, and we will play them on the show. So go to speakpipe.com backslash barnyard language, leave us a voice memo, or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com, and we will read it out for you. So Katie, what are you going to cuss and discuss this week? Me, Katie? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Podcast host, host Katie, you first. The absolute bullshit that is exposing children to diet culture. My five-year-old came home yesterday and I don't know where she heard this, if it was school or I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna hope it was not at school, YouTube, wherever she heard it, told me that she couldn't eat too much food because it would make her too big and she wants her body to be clean and for her stomach to be clean so she can eat bad food. <sighs> and Yikes. I have some thoughts about that. Just. That's all I'm going to say about it, but it's not happy. So mm -hmm. Katie Haynes, Miss North Carolina Agriculture Advocacy Ambassador, what do you have to cuss and discuss? Well, I'm going to go with mosquitoes because they are horrendous around my house right now. And it's, we're at that, like the most beautiful time of year where it's not too hot and it's not too cold. It's not too humid, but the bugs are just eating me alive and I don't like them, but do you get the black I still flies? Sit outside. We do get black flies. There aren't too many right now. Right now it just seems to be swarms of mosquitoes. So I'm sure the black flies will come. Well, the humidity here in North Carolina is awful. Um, I bet. Yeah. 
and it's only going to get worse as the summer progresses. It was like 100 degrees, like the real temperature, but it felt like 110. Oh, yikes. This weekend. Yeah. And that's, I'm a Canadian, that's so I'm a wimp. <laughs> that's yeah, a record mean, for me. Whew. Yes. Well, there's something to cuss and discuss is heat and humidity when you're dealing with chronic illness, especially. Yes. Because it does me in, so I'm assuming that you have the same. Yes, but thank goodness I was inside half the time. So That's right. So thank you so much, Katie, for joining us here today. And we wish you tons of luck at the Miss United States Agriculture Competition. Where can people find out more about you online and your your platform and your organizations and all the things that you're doing let us know where we can find you i'm on facebook instagram and tiktok for smiling wilson a hope and the north carolina advocacy ambassador um, for 2022 and i have very long handles so i'm sure that y'all can link them or something below yeah we definitely will thank you so much for joining us you're welcome thank y'all for having me and thank you to our listeners for joining us here today on Barnyard Language. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language. And on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you'd like to connect with other farm families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. Please rate and review the podcast on Apple or Spotify and follow the show so you never miss an episode. Patreon is a service where you commit to making a small monthly donation, which goes towards the making of this podcast. We would love it if you would become a patron at patreon.com backslash barnyard language. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, we're looking for future guests. Please get in touch. Barnyard Language is a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.